You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Columbus Business First, newest episode of the Women of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Emily Bench, and this podcast features a sit-down chat between me and some of the sharpest and most successful women executives in Columbus. In it, we talk about the professional risks they've taken and the ups and downs of getting to where they are today. With us today on the Women of Influence podcast is Joelle Brock, the CEO of Leading Edge. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Joelle's role as co-founder, president, and CEO of Leading Edge is a privately held information technology consulting firm. She focuses on identifying opportunities to strategically grow the company both internally and externally, as well as preserving and fostering Leading Edge's unique workplace culture by infusing positivity and fun in all they do. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you about Leading Edge and and all that you guys do there. But uh, let's start with you just telling me a little bit about your resume and what you started doing and how you ended up leading Leading Edge. Sure. Uh, well, I've had quite a interesting path, I should say. I aspired to be in a uh, sportscaster and DJ. Uh, so my, I love it. DJ. Right? What yes. made you want to be a DJ? I did it for six years and I absolutely loved it. Um, had a lot of fun with it, but I never in a million years thought I'd be in IT, let alone have you know my own firm with my partners. So, um, But it's been a great journey. I was, uh, when I first got out of college, I was selling postage meters door to door for Pitney Bowes. <laughs> and then, unfortunately or fortunately, I was really good at it. I didn't like sales growing up, as you know, my dad would buy every box of Girl Scouts cookies I ever had to sell. <laughs> but, you know, I was good at it. And I knew I wanted to be in a computer related field, uh, but not necessarily sell hardware or software. Okay. And so I got into the consulting side of things and, you know, just had a great career. I was with Accenture for a while and mm-hmm. then with another um, consulting firm here to help start the Columbus office and build a uh, national presence for them. And when they sold is when uh, Dave and Eric and I decided we were going to start our own company. So. Yeah. Okay. So wait, go back for a second. So you said you wanted to be in the computer space for a while since you were young. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. Once I got into sales and I was selling postage meters and I knew I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. I wanted to be in a computer related field okay. without selling the hardware or software component to it. Okay. Um, particularly because I knew that the IT industry is never going away, yeah, right? And right. Now, from a longevity job security type perspective, I thought that that would be a great field to go into. Yeah. So what made you and and who started Improvedge with Erica you? and Dave, hence the wacky spelling of our firm's name, Erica Dave Joel Enterprises. Oh. 
Um, okay. Yeah. So um, Dave is an unbelievable technician, very brilliant, um, an icon what he does from mm-hmm. a technology perspective. Erica also has a technical background, um, and then she chose the project management path. And then I have the sales operations development okay. type of background. So the three of us kind of formed a perfect storm. Yeah. And uh, we thought this would be a great way to to kick off a, yeah. a startup. What kind of hole did you feel like you guys were filling when you started your your own company? Like what did you what was the mission of like why you were starting it? Well, our mission, we actually call our mission our passion, mm-hmm. and it's to have fun and grow with people we trust and admire. And we mean that from an internal and external sense. So, when we set out to start the company, we we decided we were going to start a firm that we were very choosy on who we work with and who we work for. And um, and we've had that mission our entire 12 years of existence now where we're to the stage of our careers where we don't, we refuse to do business with jerks, <laughs> let's just say. Um, that's internally and externally. And we've got a set of core values that we hire to, we fire to, we promote to. We really are a family that lives its lives through our core values. And we've had those core values our entire careers together. So yeah. it really is, when, when people say they have a work family, mm-hmm. ours is ours goes a step beyond that. Yeah. We're, a, we're a really close-knit work family, but we make sure that we're all in line and all in check with all of our core values and, and with every decision moving forward. Yeah, cool. So what made you go from wanting to be a sportscaster and DJ into sales? Yeah, great question. Well, honestly, there was hard to get a job. You know, when I graduated from college, there weren't, you know, local reporter jobs. Were you in Columbus? I I moved to Columbus the day I graduated from college. So I was working for uh, an ABC affiliate in Toledo for a while as a field reporter. Okay. Then, you know, that was during school when I was interning. And then when I graduated, there just weren't jobs available. And so uh, that's when I started selling postage meters door to door so that I could start paying my school loans back. It turned out well for you. Yeah, it yeah. did. I, I and the DJ time. thing. I want to hear about the DJ thing. Yeah, so that was a blast. You, so you just did that in college? or I did it in high school and throughout college. So a girlfriend of mine's father owned a radio station in Northwest Ohio, and it was a, the, okay. all we played were polka music. So <laughs> um, I worked there for a couple of years in high school, and then I DJed all four years in college at okay. Kent State. And uh, that's like at like fraternity parties or like how did you? No, it's a radio station. Yeah, on campus radio station. Okay. So WKSR had a blast with it. Okay, cool. Well, that's interesting. Well, kind of in that same vein, I guess. What was your your first job ever? And so I love asking people that. Oh, great question. Um, I lied about my age (laughs) so that I could work for Little Caesars Pizza in Napoleon, Ohio, and it was quite an experience. I'll tell you that. That's awesome. And then um, I did, I was a swimmer in college and in high school. So I did the whole. I was a swimmer. Were you? Yeah. And um, so I did the whole um, lifeguarding, teaching Mm -hmm. swimming lessons, coaching swim teams. So. Yep. Do you still get asked if you can teach swimming lessons? Because I still get, I mean, it was only like five years ago, but no, but every ask me all the time. I'm like, I'm not certified anymore. I shouldn't do that. But listen, I, I'll, I'll, if I see strangers, kids in the pool, I'm the first thing I want to do is teach them how to. To swim. Yeah. Like, so you were fun. a competitive swimmer in college? I was, yeah. That's awesome. At Kent State? Mm-hmm. Yep. What was that like? Like, what was your event? What did you do? It was great. Um, well, I was a distance swimmer, okay. and so I swam the mile and the 500 and then butterfly. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I uh, did the 500, too. Never did the mile, yeah. but I'm glad I didn't. That would be 
insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think about all the time spent in the water, right? Oh, I mean, I'd be in the crazy. pool at 5.30 so I could get to 7.30 classes and our hair would freeze. Yep, I mean, you know, all the time. Walk you know. outside, it just turns right down. But, you know, it's those experiences that I really think make a person. Mm. You know what I mean? That, that mm-hmm. You learn discipline at a very young age. And, you know, I think that has a lot to do with my success in life yeah. is that, you know, I'm not afraid of the tough stuff. I'm not afraid of... Of hard work at all, yeah. and uh, I think that's really what makes people who they are to grow into successful adults. Yeah. So, do you still swim? I do, not competitively. Yeah. Although um, I've done a couple of triathlons, okay, recently, and you know the open water swim is completely different than <laughs> lane swimming. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great. So, IT is more of a male-dominated field. How do you, as a CEO of a of a IT consulting firm, walk through that? Yeah, lean into it hard. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we have a company initiative is to help get more women into IT. Mm -hmm. We're doing that through support of local STEM programs, high school STEM programs. We're huge advocates of getting more and more women into the IT field. Um, The IT industry has made quite a bit of strides as of late, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah. Any chance we get, we're speaking at schools, we're uh, talking to, you know, women-focused mm-hmm. IT organizations. What was that like for you, getting started in that space? You know, I was I was such a blind eye in mm-hmm. IT. I didn't even know what it meant, but I loved it. I mean, from the get-go. I mean, I never looked at it being a disadvantage at all, but I've never really put gender before, you know, anything anyway. So mm-hmm. it's like, um, if anything, it was an advantage because, you know, I was I stuck out. Right. I mean, when I first got into IT back in 90, you know, there weren't a lot of women in IT. And it, therefore, it's like, you know, you're, you got noticed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why do you think that is? I mean, I, I, I like looking at things at like a macro level. If we're looking back, why do we think IT is so male dominated? You know, and I know you're not like an expert on like sure. the industry of, of well, IT. Well, you know, what's amazing to me is that women are such good problem solvers. And in all aspects of life, mm-hmm. right? So um, if there is a, a, a problem at work, women are really good at solving them. If yeah. there's a problem at home, really good at solving them. And, and I'm making very general statements, but I think naturally speaking, women are just you know, really good at finding a solve. I just think that the older generation was more of the you know, men think logically women think from the heart kind of thing and and we obviously that's not the case in today's modern day world right but way back when my parents you know were becoming new parents that's uh they were just coming out of that generation field so I think that over that question oftentimes and it's like well women are just really naturally good problem solvers but we do have a lot of a, a lot of people in our team who are male have significant others who are in humanitarian roles, right? So it's amazing how many developers will have nurses as, you know, spouses or significant others. And that's kind of how they balance their family, right? Somebody's focusing on the logistic or logical side of things and the other one's picking up the uh, let's let's pay back to humanities. Hmm. 
So you said that uh, Leading Edge does a lot of events and speaks and uh, talks about STEM education and all of that. But how do you what do you feel like is going to actually have to change in order for more girls to get involved into IT related fields or even think about it? Because that I mean, I'm not a math or science person, so that never interested me. But if I was like, what what do we have to do to order to give them that like little push? I I think we just need to start earlier, Mm -hmm. start sooner. I think um, in the elementary schools. I mean, I think we need to, and I think we're doing a really good job, society as a whole is doing a really good job of this now, and that we're teaching the kids um, as equals at a very young age, right? So it's it's not a home ec versus, you know, mm-hmm. when I was in school, you had home ec and you had shop, yeah. you're right? And the girls took home ec and the guys took shop. And I feel now like that there's this whole movement of gender equality to where we're encouraging kids at a very young age to be able to recognize what they're good at, recognize what their passion is at a young age, and therefore support them throughout their education and, and into, you know, career life. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, second grade, or second grade girls who are good in math are being celebrated, right? right. And, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, that's so funny because I was not the second grader that was good at math. Like, I was so bad. I remember one time in first grade, I still feel guilty about it. I totally copied off someone on a math test in first grade because I was just stressed and I didn't know the answers. And so, yeah, but I got a good grade on the test. That's hilarious. So I'm confessing now many years later. So you, I know, so can you tell me who, so you and Wendy are really good friends. Mm -hmm. And then another, there's another woman who, is really good friends, and the three of you are like best friends, Carrie told me. So, yep, so this is the deal. So when the three founders, Dave, Erica, and myself, Mm -hmm. started the company, our fourth friend was off having a baby. Okay. And um, so when she came back to work, so she's not one of the original founders, but she is one of the four partners in the executive leadership team, Wendy, who was supposed to be here but got a flat tire on the way. So Wendy, Erica, and I have been girlfriends for, you know, years and okay. years and years. So it's, you know, people say don't go into business with friends and family. Ask, yeah, what's that been I, like? It, it's been absolutely awesome. Yeah. I mean, first of all, we built this business from the heart, and we run it from the heart. And people say don't do that. You know, <laughs> in order to be successful, you've got to have a good business mind, which means you've got to put emotions aside. We did pull opposite. We've leaned, leaned into it from a very heartfelt built business. And it's, I just feel so fortunate to work with my best friends. I mean, not just two of my best girlfriends, but the entire team at Leading Edge, I just feel like we're just so supportive. I've, I've never been in a work environment where you feel so much support from your peers. Yeah. And we do an awful lot of internal training and development. That's kind of our niche is mm-hmm. um, we're constantly wanting to learn more and to grow more and be better problem solvers. So as a result of that, we've got a lot of peer-to-peer learning and not just technical learning, but any kind of problem solve there is. Sure. So you guys are best friends. How did you guys meet? Was it was it from establishing this, this organization or was it before then? Or Wendy and I met, um, well, I'll start with Erica because I met Erica before she even graduated from college. <laughs> we worked together, Dave and Erica and Wendy and I worked together at a previous firm. And when that firm sold is when we started Leading Edge. And um, so I've known Erica her entire working career. Okay. Um, and then Wendy was actually a competitor from the last firm that we were all at before 
she was a competitor of our previous firm that I met at Elbrandt's at a um, vendor meeting. And it was like we saw each other across the room. We were two of the few. I, I, there may be a couple of other females in the room, but it was a whole IT salesman type of yeah. meeting. And this, huh. we lacked eyes, and it was like we were running across a wheat field to get to one another. We immediately, <laughs> it was hilarious. And we, and we immediately became just really good friends. Wow. And then I convinced her to join the last company. And so she ran sales there. When she came back from having Max, she came and joined Leading Edge, and com- she completes us. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that work in and outside of the office? I mean, just imagining me going into business with my best friends, like on a practical level, how do you guys like separate work? There's little separation, yeah. to be quite honest. I mean, we work really, really well together because we know what each person is good at yeah, and we trust the other person at being good at that. Mm-hmm. So we very rarely step into each other's lanes. We just pretty much complement each other's decisions from that perspective. Mm-hmm. From the fun, I, I think what happens is when we get together on a personal level, we work so hard together that when we get together on a personal level, it just makes it that more fun. It's yeah. like, okay, we're allowed to relax now, right? Awesome. So we play in a Tuesday night golf league and it's just you know, it's silliness. It's barely even golf. And then, um, and then uh, we've got girlfriends that are all over the country, and we get together once a year. This will be our twenty third year, I believe. Wow! Um, to go play all over the world. So that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. So it's almost like it's you know when they say work hard, play hard. It's great to be able to work hard and play hard both with your best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one thing I was thinking about when I when I was thinking of what you got your kind of structure of your business do you guys get to network together like do you get to go to networking events together because I think about when I go to networking events by myself and it's the most awkward thing ever and I don't want to be there is it kind of nice to have a like wing two wing girls like on your side absolutely (laughs) absolutely because as you know some of those events can be extremely painful right very painful and the one of the things that we do is we make fun out of very little, mm-hmm. right? And and that's part of the, the friendship yeah. aspect of things, right? So um, in being able to do that with somebody that you you know love and trust and admire is outstanding because I couldn't imagine, like you said, to your point, doing some of these networking events alone is could, could just be brutal. But <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to work with your best friends. I yeah. mean, we laugh a lot. <laughs> I mean, we, like belly laugh hard a lot. It's hard to find a work environment where you can feel like you can do that yeah. genuinely. Yeah. It's, it, I just, every day I've, I'm grateful. I have a, I set up uh, an alarm on my phone four times a day at 10 to 6 and 10. And it's uh, just for me to take a pause and a reminder and think about what I'm grateful for right in that minute or right in that day or right in that week or right in that year. And so four times a day I, I interrupt myself to say, okay, wow, what am I grateful for? And, um, you know, working with, you know, people that I love um, is right there on the top of the list. That's great. I always hear very successful people like yourself say that they like to meditate or make sure to take time to have, you know, space to be, what's the word I'm thinking of? Not not gratitude. Reflective. Yeah, like reflective. And Mm -hmm. uh, how do you institute that? I mean, you're so busy, I'm sure. How do you make sure you get to stop four times a day and be thankful for things? It's also embarrassing. (laughs) And because if I'm in a meeting and my my phone goes off, I, I will stop the meeting and say, I apologize. I'm not being rude. This is not a phone call. This is my gratitude alarm. 
Wow. And then I tell them what what my what I'm grateful for in that particular moment. And you know, almost everyone that that's happened to has been like, that is really really cool. Yeah. What you made know? you want to start that? You know, it's a friend of mine said that he he started doing it mm-hmm. a little bit, and and um, then I I grabbed onto it, and ran with it. Wow, that's awesome. How long ago was that? I would say my alarm's been going off almost a couple of years now. And you, I mean, obviously not perfectly, but you try to do that every day. I set it four times a day, and you you do it. Yeah, for sure. Wow, well, that's for sure. awesome. And now people around me are like, "Ooh, your gratitude alarm, what's up?" You know, it's, it's great. It's a fun little tool. Thank you, Bill Trezik, for that. <laughs> that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Maybe not four times a day. Maybe I'll start with just start once, your baby steps. Once a day. That's right. Let's start with that. Uh, so going back to you guys starting um, up Bleeding Edges, but is it hard to get criticism from one another or how do you guys talk things through? Constructive criticism, obviously, but like giving feedback to one another, getting feedback from one another. How is that for you guys? It's, um, it's much easier for Wendy and Erica mm-hmm. than me. <laughs> Quite frankly, yeah. Wendy's got her master's in psychology. She's really, really good at delivering difficult messages. Huh. Um, and Erica is just as, as open book, wide mm-hmm. open, candid as they, they come. Um, uh, but, you know, again, we, we've built a very trusting environment. And so, you know, we can look at each other and say, hey, listen, this made me feel this way. And deal with it and, and move on. It's just like any other family, right? Mm-hmm. Where you've got, um, it's not always you know, unicorns and rainbows. But when we, the first time we detect something might feel off, Mm -hmm. we address it. Yeah. That's good. So that's like hard for your personality? For me it is. Yeah. Yeah, I want everyone to be happy all the time and I'm always looking for (laughs) unicorns and rainbows and, um, but that, but they've taught me a lot. Yeah. I would love to just pick your brain on what you feel like you've learned with a personality that's not necessarily super like confrontational or it enjoys that kind of discussion. How do you, you know, still deal with book. it? <laughs> well, there's a good book called uh, Critical Conversations. Okay. You know, I also am part of a, a, a business peer-to-peer group, mentoring mm-hmm. group called EO. And a lot of these tactics I've learned through, through my um, support of other peers that are other business owners. But yeah, Eric and Wendy and Dave make it, make it really easy to, to talk. Yeah. Mm. What are some of the like things you've picked up on how to, on how to have critical conversations from that book? You know, if there's, if you're faced with adversity, you know, you, you really need to address the pink elephant in the room. Um, what I've found my personal experience is the longer that I wait from addressing it, the more worked up I get myself. And then I realize the actual elephant is not that big. Yeah. Uh, that's the big thing is just, you know, again, lean into it. should always lean into your issues. That's that's how you're going to learn the most, best. Leading Edge has experienced a lot of growth in a short period of time, which is awesome. How do you guys balance that? How do you make sure that you want to keep growing, but also what are your thoughts along the way with that? Delegate and elevate. Honestly, we've adopted the EOS system, uh, Entrepreneur's Operating System, mm-hmm. and it, it really is a good coach on identifying who's the right person for what seat on the bus so everybody's helping the bus go in the same direction. Mm-hmm. It took us a while to get there because, you know, we, we wanted to hang on to do-it-ourselves kind of mode. And now that we've um, hired and entrusted other people in our organization, that's, gone, that's given us the ability to grow to, to the, the pace that we wanted to. Yeah. How long ago did you guys start this? 12 years. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you recall, in May of 2007, the economy was about it, at its worst in my generation anyway. Yeah. But we had, uh, I guess, a, a sense of blind faith that mm. we could do this. And as you know, the majority of businesses that start fail. And right. um, we just had an awful lot of support from friends in the client community and the consulting community and the candidate pools and and even competitors. We mm-hmm. had some great competitors that help us kick off our business. So just an awful lot of support. Columbus is an incredible city for this kind of startup. Yeah. It's just very friendly, very warm. Um, people want to help genuinely. And um, we, I've, we had some great friends throughout our careers that were in positions that said, listen, we'd, we'd love to help you be, succeed. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. When the economy wasn't great back in the later, like 2007, 2008, what kept you guys going through that? What inspired you to push through it and, and keep going? We started small, started conservatively. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we were all willing to make an investment into seeing if this was going to work or not. Yeah. Was that scary? It was, um, I, like I said, I had this sense of blind faith, mm-hmm. you know, and scary is not the right word. It was um, exciting. It was intimidating. But I had this overwhelming sense of calm that things were going to work out well. Yeah. And if not, I figured I'd just go get a job at Microsoft or IBM or HP or something. Right. There's a lot of tech I mean, large and startup in Columbus, I feel like, which is, are you involved in this tech startup community of Columbus? We do get involved, um, not to a huge degree, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, we're very supportive of it and, um, we're roped into, um, Rev1. Do you feel like it is so successful in Columbus because of what you were saying earlier, the, the warm and welcoming kind of attitude that Columbus has of wanting to see startups and entrepreneurs succeed and flourish? I do. I, I think Columbus is growing to be quite an entrepreneurial-based city. Sure. And from a technology perspective, we've always been right there on the edge, right? We've always aspired to be a Silicon Valley or an Austin, Texas, and we get super, super close. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I see a shift. I see a shift to um, this generation being more entrepreneurial-based as opposed to climbing the corporate ladder. And I think it's because this generation is more creative. I feel as though they don't feel like they're handcuffed, right? They can, I, you know, when we were told you can do anything you want to do, you can be anything you want to be, there was this underlying tone of, but you need a job to pay your bills, <laughs> right? Where I feel like this generation doesn't necessarily feel the same way about being that handcuffed. Yeah, And I love that because it inspires such great creative work. I mean, we were at um, an event just earlier or last week um, supporting a client and the students got up that one that did these projects across the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these high school students were coming up with these amazing stories and projects and solves. And it was just awe-inspiring, absolutely awe-inspiring. So Cool. It was the Columbus Council for World Affairs. Awesome. And uh, our client, um, CAS, won an award. So we went to support them and met these unbelievable kids. That's really cool. And mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think the same thing. 
so as a CEO, I'm sure your time is pulled in a million different directions. How do you learn to say no and what do you say yes to? Yeah, great question. And that's particularly hard for me because I hate to say no to anything mm-hmm. um, for selfish reasons. I love the experiences. I love doing new things. I love helping out, giving back. Um, I love propping people up for their success. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really, really hard for me to say no to some things, particularly if it's something I'm passionate about in yeah. terms of um, service. So it's a daily challenge for me. Do you feel like there's also a part of you that wants to say yes because you don't want to let people down? For sure. Because that's like all me. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you figure out how to say no what do you you know what are things that do you have a list of like these are the things that I just kind of say no to because I've heard from successful people like there's a list of things that's kind of falls in a category of like I just have learned to say no to that yeah again work in progress so when we first started the company I told I told those guys I'm like listen I've been a salesperson my entire life Mm -hmm. and I know what it's like to not get a call back or not get an email returned or you know not answering the phone. And I said, I'm going to, any single person that wants to try to sell me anything at all, I'm always going to respond to them. And that, you know, was like lasted a week. The first time business first published that we were in business. <laughs> Next thing I know, I had to put my phone number. Um, so that was obviously unrealistic. And that was yeah. something to say no to, but it, it's hard. It's, it's a daily fight. And unfortunately the first thing that I say no to as well, if I don't, if I, get less sleep, I don't have to say no. If I give up my workouts, then I don't have to say no. So um, I'm still fighting that battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like it's a work in progress for everyone. We're all trying to figure that out. Is there anyone that maybe inspires how you guys work things at Leading Edge or is that all from yourself? Well, um, I can go back to the EOS system, the Entrepreneurs Entrepreneurs Operating System. Mm -hmm. And that was inspired by Gina Wickman who was one of the original EO members. Um, but the system is fantastic when it comes to running an entrepreneurial-based business. And um, so basically what it does is it takes Rockefeller Habits and Good to Great by Jim Collins, Pat Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It takes all of these cons- corporate concepts in building a su- successful company, mm-hmm. business, um, corporate business, and puts them in the lens of an entrepreneur. So if you want to have that type of culture and run a business with, you know, from your core values and instilling your passion and it's it's an outstanding system. So Gina Wickman had wrote that book, Traction, and um, he would be somebody that I would look as an industry, more of a entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. type of leader. Yeah. Because it is industry agnostic. So my last section for you, I'm going to ask you a couple questions and just tell me the first thing that comes to your head. What is the biggest myth about being a female executive? The biggest myth about being a female executive is that we have to work twice as hard to get the same results. I don't think that's the case. I think women are really good at working smart. Hmm. So I think that 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 would be the biggest myth. It's a good question. I haven't thought about it. What did you want to be when you were a kid when you grew up? When I was a kid, I wanted to be a sportscaster. So that was like the long-term dream? That was my long-term <laughs> dream, yeah. What kind of sports or 
just you know I I didn't aspire to be on the football field back then because women weren't on the football field I didn't need to be in the locker room I wanted to cover the Olympics you know um how do you feel about being classified as a female CEO instead of just CEO I can tell you because we were self-funded when you start a business from scratch and self-fund it your bank account doesn't know whether you're male or female, right? <laughs> you know, when you're making when you're making payroll out of your savings account, they have no idea if you're a female CEO yeah. or a male CEO. And you know, I really haven't put much thought into that at all, quite honestly. It's hmm. you know, in in EO Columbus, we have the highest female members hmm. in the entire world. And we're in 58 countries, I believe. Wow. Yeah, I think there's over 17,000 members, and Columbus, Ohio, has the largest representation of female entrepreneurs. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. What do you know now that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? When I first started my career, I didn't think I had choices. Mm-hmm. I thought my only choice was to get a job so you can start paying your bills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get that. Like, I, I've never been taught no one else is responsible for me, Right. So I needed to do that. But I wish I would have felt like I could have followed my dreams. I wish I would have felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go to L.A. and, you know, get on a game show, um, which I did <laughs> yes, a couple of years ago. Yes, I wanted ago. to ask you about that. You were on Wheel of Fortune, weren't you? It was The Price is Right. The Price is Right. And I did play Plinko, and I won $15,000 in cash and prizes. What? I know. My This is so funny. About my mom and I... For 20 years, I've said, I've said, Mom, I'm taking you to L.A. We're going to go get on The Price is Right. And in 2015, we went to L.A., and I was the second person called, and it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Okay, what were you thinking when you, like, found out you were getting $15,000? Well, I was dropping the Plinko chips. Yeah. Yeah, right? And it was the – I won I, – I got money on all four first four chips. Okay. And then it was the final – chip that landed on the $10,000 spot. And it was just, it was hilarious. What a great experience. Oh my gosh. And it was on TV and everything, sure. you know, like I could go look you up and yeah. see, oh my god, I'm wearing um, Drew Carey geek glasses. <laughs> and I thought I was having a good hair day that day. And I, in fact, it was have really bad hair I day. I feel like that all the time. Like uh, ugh, with cameras and being in like news all the time, I just see myself in pictures on Twitter and I'm like, what was I? I thought yeah. it looked great. Like what? Exactly. That's so funny. If I think we digressed, what was the original question? Um, <laughs> I asked what you wanted to do be the beginning of your career, and you're oh, talking about yes. going to LA. And well, I, I, the point I was making is, um, I didn't feel like I had options. I feel like I had to do what I had to do, mm-hmm. and not what I wanted to do. And so, to go back into my career, I think I would have. Um, and again, it's different when times are different, right? right. It's like when, you know, now the job. <laughs> job market is unbelievable. When, you know, I entered the workforce, it was at an all-time low. So you had to do what you had to do to survive. So I think holding out and, and really times change, right? Yeah. So if I had different, if it, it was different times, I would have different options. Yeah. My last question for you, who is your biggest role model or mentor? Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> such an easy question. Um, my mom, she is the most amazing person I've ever known in my life. She is she's had a, a, a tough road, a really tough road, and she's gone through life just beautifully and gracefully, and she works hard, and she's never complained about a thing. Mm-hmm. She's never taken a pill. You know, she's just she's just this beautiful, gracious, resilient person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she raised my brother and I. 
as a single mom. Um, she literally walked into the welfare department and said, I refuse to go on welfare. Will you please give me a job? And wow. she raised us as the front desk receptionist, making a buck twenty-five an hour, and then ended up thirty years later. She had worked her way through the entire, to, through the entire uh, office of job and family services, and she retired. And everybody loved her. And uh, wow, she's just she's my biggest role model ever. She's just incredible. She's, and today's still my best friend. That's awesome. Yeah, we have an eleven o'clock date every single night. I call her at eleven. She's up at 11? Yeah. That's awesome. I know, right? Her mom's like in bed by 8.30 every night. Well, Just kidding, Mom. You th- yeah. She's really not. I'm, I'm, not. I'm being serious. She really is in bed at 8.30. Well, my mom, you would look at her and think she's she's 50 with the spirit of a 40-year-old. But, That's so cool. What was that like growing up with her as, you know, working her way through that? It's tough. I mean... You know, my brother and I both were athletes. He was a swimmer as well. So, you know, as you know, swimmers can eat you out of house and home. (laughs) She'd have to. It's just an expensive sport. It's an expensive sport. They all are, but um, you know, we 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 didn't even make it paycheck to paycheck. We we had to figure it out, and uh, she did a great job. That's awesome. Well, Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed having you. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah.